Uh, welcome to The Dollop. This is a special episode this week. Uh, each week, I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to my friend Gareth Reynolds. And uh, he's never heard it before. But this week, it's a little bit different because it's live. It's uh, taped at uh, Meltdown, the Nerdist Theater at Meltdown Comics in Los Angeles, California um, at the end of November. Or no, the beginning of December. And uh, we are joined by Patton Oswalt, who is a very funny uh, gentleman you may have heard of. Uh, so please listen to this. It's, uh, it's a really long one. It's about two hours. Here's, uh, here's uh, the episode with Patton and uh, Gareth. Ladies and gentlemen and rubes of all ages, welcome to the live dollop at Meltdown. Here's your hosts, Dave Anthony and Gary Reynolds. McCoy, he wrote the theme song. Yep. You kind of did, though. It's not for fun. Yep, thank you. Thank oh, you. It's actually, it's Gareth. Gary! It's actually, it's Gareth. It's Gareth. I appreciate it. I really, yeah. thank you guys. But oh, it, I love it, you. Again, it is actually, the name is Gareth. So just so we're okay. Whatever. on the same page. Whatever. Feels like Gareth's we got to cool. get there. Because um, I don't know where it's getting lost in translation. <laughs> Feels like I've been really clear. The whole time. So Welcome to The Dollop. This is a uh, historical podcast. And uh, each week I read a story to my friend... Gareth Reynolds. <laughs> who has no idea what the topic is. But tonight... I'll be reading my story to two gentlemen. Uh, one of them I like to refer to as the Great American Gas Bag. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Patton Oswalt. <laughs> yeah, girl. There you are, girl. Yeah. All right. Why do, why do you get a, a mic stand? Because I'm the one. Oh, okay. Because you just get to sit there like douchebags making comments, and I do all the work. Oh, okay. And then I fuck up words, and people send me mean emails. Uh-huh. Oh, the Thanksgiving one? I got an email from a Native American that you was... You changed oh, my name! Holy shit! I got an email from a Native American that was unbelievable. It was like I had brought smallpox over. Yeah, I get it. I fuck up a lot of names. I did a lot of drugs when I was younger, and uh, something got fucked up. I will fuck up words. I apologize. That's what happens. You probably mispronounced Dirty Engine. 
That was probably why you got Let me mispronounce that. I'll bet. I did. That was the yeah, one about car repair. I did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I remember that one. It was the early 1800s. God damn it. Always good. No. Always good. Always Can I good. Stop it. Stop. Hang on. Before you start, whenever something happens in the 60s or 70s, 1960s or 70s, those are fun. All right? <laughs> Anything happens uh, in the early 1900s, uh, they are uh, they're important. Anything that happens in the 1800s on this podcast is the most depressing. <laughs> Depraved. If we start off in the and go back all the episodes that take place in the 1800s, you want to take a, a, a shower in hand sanitizer. Like if there's a way. So here we go. It was the early 1800s. Oh. Fuck. Yeah. yeah, it was in the burned over district of New York State. I'm sorry. Did you say burned over? Burned over. Oh. The burned over. <laughs> Wait. I'm sorry. That's it. That's the whole story. Oh, wow. That was really good. That's nice. The burned over district was the western and central regions of New York State in the early 19th century, where religious revivals and the formation of new religious movements of the Second Great Awakening took place. Not good. Not good. Not good. Not good. New York stretches over a large distance from New York City. This is for the Australians. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) New York stretches over a large distance from New York City. uh, I thought New York was just a hot dog stand. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about the part of the state that butts up against Lake Erie. It's over there on the west. Uh, It's a a very large state. Mm -hmm. The term burned over district was coined by Charles Grandison Finney. He believed the area had been so heavily evangelized that it had no more fuel left over to burn. The fuel being the unconverted and the burn being the converted. Holy shit. That is not good. Yeah, and also can I say a nickname shouldn't involve a one-paragraph asterisk to to explain the nickname. There's, there's my old friend Two Sheds. Now, he got that name because he originally lived... All right, t- dude, if it doesn't, if it's not evident, don't give that... It actually name. is a 10-year tale about two crazy sheds. <laughs> Sit down. It's to shorten his name. Sit down. <laughs> At this time, Western New York was still a frontier. This meant that professional and established clergy were scarce. Mm-hmm. Many of the people living there were self-taught and susceptible to folk religion. Well, there we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Strap there's, in, kids. Here we go. There's the seed we water tonight, yeah. gang. Also, that's another really dark thread throughout the dollop. Self-taught <laughs> never ends well. <clears throat> Whenever Dave says self-taught, yep. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Innovative religions blossomed. Oh, boy. Not good again. (laughs) Keep going, but terrible. Here we are. They were all founded by lay people who were coming up with new and exciting twists on Jesus. (laughs) New and exciting (laughs) twists on Jesus. He was made of rainbows! (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard of dolphin Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) Sit down. 
<laughs> the Oneida group was uh, located there. That's the cult. For those of you who didn't see the live one uh, that we did at LA Podfest, it's up on YouTube. Uh, the Oneida group is part of that. Uh, that's the cult that young Charles Gatou, who shot one of our presidents, uh, very sadly, and then he died over a period of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> that's how we all want to go. That's, yeah. that's, where, yeah. that's where the Oneida group uh, was yeah. from. Now, William Miller was a prosperous farmer living in the burned-over district. <laughs> in 1810, he left the Baptist religion and became a deist. Uh-huh. No organized religion for him. Then he fought in the War of 1812, and when he came back, he read something in the Bible and was like, oh, shit, I'm going to be a Baptist again. No, but what was it he read, Dave? Nobody knows. Oh, okay. I thought... (laughs) But it was handwritten. He just... (laughs) (laughs) The Bible's a crayon. (laughs) Look, Jesus said my name here, Bill Miller. Hey, Bill Miller. He's got those cartoon bubble talk things. Yeah! (laughs) Yeah! Speaking right to me. <laughs> At this point, all of Dia's friends started bugging him, making him justify his new change of faith. So William Miller began to look at the Bible very closely. Okay. Oh, good. And he also, having been educated, he knew math. <laughs> was it self-taught math? Yeah, was it? Yeah. <laughs> two plus two is whatever I want. <laughs> By the way, knowing math in the early 1800s America, you're basically Gandalf. I mean, they, like, <laughs> right this That's way, sir. Dumb, right yeah. this way to the math. Table. Hey, dude, that guy, that Bill Miller guy, he, we, he, he took the number three, and then he took the number two, and it was fucking five. I don't know what. What the I, fuck? I swear to God. Get him. It's fucking five. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to have him bring my stillborn baby back to life. He, he made five out of a three and a two. He's a wizard. William Miller came up with his own ideas about religion, and he based his belief on Daniel eight fourteen. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Boom. Mm. Yep. Naturally, he assumed the cleansing was a great fire when Christ returned. Then he used what he called day-year principle. This interpreted a day in prophecy to be a calendar year instead of the usual 24-hour period, as was commonly believed. So he stretched a, a day into a year. All shit math. he's making up on the fly. <laughs> Self-taught math. Self-taught math. It's math. That's okay. not good, though. That is not good. What no. I've heard so far, not oh, good. Boy. Then he decided that the 2,300-day period started in 457 B.C. Uh. When the king of Persia decided that Jerusalem should be rebuilt. Uh, it all sure. makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be approaching the day he lives in. It's, it's simple math. I don't know where you get that. Well, it's self-taught. So All if right. you use these simple calculations, you will come to the obvious conclusion that this period would end in 1843. That's not good. Oh. Not good. Not good. What? Couldn't, uh, couldn't he have just worked out a blackjack system or something? <laughs> got so... Jesus is returning. Oh, oh, good. In 1843. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading about when he returned in 1843. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) and it makes sense that Bill Miller would figure that out. Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah. And he was, and Jesus was bringing a great cleansing fire. Yeah, yeah. No, Jesus. We all know Jesus will. Yeah, Yeah. not water for Jesus. when, When Jesus was ascending, he told his disciples, 
Just check with Bill Miller. He'll let you know when I'm coming back. <laughs> Bill Miller will let you know. Billy Talk to Bill yeah. Miller! <laughs> Water will be fire for the bath. There will be fire! That was Jesus' last words. There will be fire! <laughs> Dad? So he wrote all this shit down in mm. 1822. Makes it mm-hmm. real. And then he hid it. Hit it. Oh. And then he tucked it away. Oh. For the right time. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. The right time might be... Go ahead. While Miller was waiting to unleash his Jesus on... His genius on the world. Sorry. Both. Both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Unleash Your Jesus is a Katy Perry song. It's not... <laughs> please. Because my daughter sings it 18 fucking times a day. <laughs> it was uh, uh, in Connecticut, there was an evangelical, evangelical minister named Sylvester Graham. Mm-hmm. Sounds like mm-hmm. a sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> it was the 1830s, so the temperance movements were picking up steam. But while his fellow reform- reformers were concerned with issues like alcohol and tobacco consumption, women's rights, and slavery, Graham was concerned about sex and masturbation. <sighs> <laughs> We got to get these two crazy kids together. <laughs> Pat, that's, that's the first thing. Good I news. <laughs> you got I bet they're going to meet. <laughs> you got Bill Miller and my Sylvester Graham. You got Sylvester Graham and my Bill Miller. It's the end of the goddamn world. Let's masturbate. <laughs> Graham thought Americans' recreational sex and masturbation were making Americans physically ill. Oh. Yeah. So he took the This was this was not a new idea, but Graham was the main man fighting against sex in America. The idea of sex and masturbation began being bad with Swiss physicist Swiss physicist Swissifist. The Swissifist. Uh, Simon Tussaud in 1760. That was when he published. Uh, is that where we Le- get General, General Tussaud's chicken? From? Yes. <laughs> okay. Is that what is that what this dollop is about? All right, That's I know it. this story. I'm going to leave. It. <laughs> <laughs> Le- he published Le Onanamsi. Sure. Mm-hmm. Ready for the email? It's just a bit. <laughs> no, I know some <laughs> masturbator is going to be like, "How oh, dare you!" <laughs> I'm writing with one hand. <laughs> Uh, which was a comprehensive <laughs> medical document on the ill effects of masturbation. Tussaud argued that semen was an essential oil and stimulus that when lost from the body in great amounts would cause a perceptible reduction of strength, memory, and even reason, blurred vision, and all of the nervous d- disorders, all types of gout and rheumatism, weakening of the organs of generation, blood in the urine, disturbance of the appetite, headaches, and a great number of other disorders. Wait. <laughs> that really is like the side effects of Cialis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> also, by the way, uh, excessive masturbation does not lose, lose like nerve control. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Let me help you. <laughs> sorry, I wanted to... Uh, sorry. Wow. What the? <laughs> These guys. <laughs> I like that it also will be passed down for generations. You'll be like, yeah. Yeah. my son can't breathe properly. <laughs> Hope you came well. <laughs> did, your mother take, did your mother take flamin- flaminamide? <laughs> yeah. 
Russell admit it. I shouldn't even be. I shouldn't be allowed to say That's words how Jerry Lewis over would say two it. syllables. We, we gave these kids flaminamide. <laughs> oh. oh, but if it's passed down, then some guy like Smithers, that's the eighth order you screwed up. Well, Daddy was a masturbator. Huh? I didn't know that, son. I'm I doing did not. the best no, 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 I can. No no no, no. no, no, no. We'll give you extra time. I didn't All know right. your papa masturbated. Daddy was a masturbator. I had no idea. <laughs> what hardships. Literally. <laughs> Tissot's findings were treated as a scientific breakthrough. Luminaries like Kant and Voltaire and others published his findings, which led to masturbation being considered a debilitating illness. Wait a minute. <laughs> Vo- Voltaire published this shit? Yep. Oh, Jesus. He was in on it. Uh, oh, for God's well, sakes. That's a bummer. It became... <laughs> I like Voltaire. God damn it. Yeah. Not and as early, j- And so. James Elroy. And, j- and well, that, that actually makes sense. <laughs> it, it became a movement... Another or, fam- well, another not, not literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Uh, <laughs> the only way, you know the only way to stop a movement. Uh, and it became uh, another famous book, which was anonymously published at the time, was Oninia, or The Heinous Sin of Self-Pollution and All Its Frightful Consequences. <laughs> so, Jeez. Oh, that looks catchy. <laughs> that looks like a good book. Something to fall asleep with? Yeah. yeah. All right. Got my bed book. So Sylvester Graham was just picking up with this idea and running with it. He made his name by giving popular speeches, admonishing masturbation, <laughs> believing, it, believing it. Well, welcome to tonight's speech. <laughs> Are you guys ready to hear about not masturbating? Yeah. <laughs> I can't hear you. Right. Sorry. Flash pot. <laughs> you want to put your dick away? <laughs> I would love, love to see a non-masturbation uh, speech. Yeah. <laughs> be like, well, I'm out. You want this seat? He believed masturbation would inflame the brain more than natural arousal, and therefore result in insanity. Back then, masturbation was referred to as self-abuse, and many women were said to have fainted during his speeches about jerking off. So he was like the, he was like the Tom Jones. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like Tom Tom Jones. Jones. As I slowly stroked it. I did not tickle my balls, ma'am. Goo! I want you to not want to masturbate. Live at Budokan. <laughs> Welcome to No Bait. <laughs> Graham considered sex more than once a month to be pathological. <laughs> this might also have been because he had 17 brothers and sisters, meaning his parents never, ever stopped fucking. No. I mean, literally never stopped And in that fucking. time, everyone was like in the same room and houses, and it was yeah. just like, ah, oh, not another one! <laughs> Shut up, I don't want to sin! Oh, Graham, I'm coming in your mommy! <laughs> Get my sex rag, I'm done. <laughs> Woo! Oh, Sylvester, get that sex rag in here, wipe your mom off. Woo! By the way, this is my boy, sex rag. How are you, son? How you doing, son? Wipe daddy, wipe daddy. Wipe daddy off. <laughs> 
Graham, Graham encouraged people to take control of their health by repressing their carnal urges. Obviously, some uh, pe- obviously s- people's sexual urges were stimulated by a diet of flavorful, fatty, and meaty dishes. In Graham's view, the correlation yeah. between sex and health was simple. The more immoral the activity, the more bodily harm was done. Quote, Pimples are a livid cue. Wow. Come out upon the forehead and about the nose and sometimes over the whole face. And even ulcerous sores, in some cases, break out upon the head, breast, back, and thighs. And these sometimes enlarge to permanent fistulas of a cancerous character and continue, perhaps for years, to discharge great quantities of fetid, loathsome pus and not unfrequently terminate in death. No wonder the ladies fainted. (laughs) I can't handle this. (laughs) Swoon. Say fetid again. (laughs) And and that is from masturbating. Yes. Okay. Uh, And and if you had sex too much. Okay, too much sex. But masturbating masturbating is the number one reason that you would get giant fetid sores. If you got to put it in something, not your hands. Yeah, Yeah. there's like this sweet spot you got to (laughs) hit. That's what he's yeah, giving you, basically. Yeah. yeah. He's saying you can fuck a lady once a month. Once a month. Any more than that, mm-hmm. it's like uh, an orgasm advent calendar in a way. It, it really is. <laughs> yep. But it's yearly. And the last window you open, there's a little elf going, it's fuck day! <laughs> oh, thank God! I was going to pop! Graham believed Americans could stop debilitating stimulation and find salvation through clean living and healthy food, so he created a diet. The Graham diet consisted of simply prepared, bland foods with lots of whole grains, mostly fruits and vegetables, no spices, meat, alcohol, or tobacco. Even pepper was banned. Um, if you Have you ever had like pepper on something and then not been able to jerk off? <laughs> well, that's why the waiter asked to say when. He's like, how bad do you... Are you joking? Oh, not off? yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Okay, okay. A little I'm done. more. I'm done. A little I'm done. further. I'm done. Oh. You finished? Yeah. Where's the white boy? Graham believed that adhering to the diet would prevent people from having impure thoughts and in turn would stop masturbation. Besides leading to insanity, he also thought it led to blindness. Well, that was, so was that was a rumor that like translated to like yeah, high school ish times, right? Yeah, they like, never. I don't think that's ever stopped. Blind, yeah, you know, get hairy palms, yeah. go blind. Yeah, hairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get hair on your palms. Yeah, you get hair on your palms, you go blind. Yeah. Never heard that. Because whenever you go bald, where did you, you know, go to you school? Put, like, come on your head. I went to. I went hair. to. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is. Yeah. Well, I went to a, a monkey high school. Oh, that's interesting. Everybody had hair on their palms. Oh, that's that's great then. That's perfect. Yeah. So you're self-taught. The permitted fruits and vegetables were eaten to be eaten in small quantities, just two <laughs> meals a day, and chew them slowly with plenty of saliva. Otherwise, you'll want to ejaculate. <laughs> you chew too fast, you'll be coming all night, my man. Yep. Grass apple equals come in your pants. <laughs> Everyone knows that. If you want a poster that says that, you can take one. They're free. <laughs> Graham also advocated radical ideas for the time about health and hygiene, such as bathing regularly... Taking in fresh air and sunlight, drinking clean water, wearing comfortable clothing, and exercising daily. So that was all shit people didn't do. (laughs) (laughs) So we could just stop them from masturbating. These unwashed people in uncomfortable clothing not breathing any air 
They'll fucking we'll be we'll be in the moon by 1850. Man comes on yeah. moon. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> we get these smelly farmer apes to stop jerking off. We have a maglev system. Thousands began to follow Graham's diet, and they were given the name Grahamites. Spurred on by people concerned about a cholera epidemic that swept through New York in 1832. People testified about his diet's life-changing effects from recovery of physical and mental ailments, from nervousness and despondency to dizziness and severe headaches. So he was, by, by having people eat better... And breathe air. Yeah. And take a fucking bath. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't feel like a fucking piece of shit. Oh, that's because you're bathing, you animal. It's a real either or. I can bend my arm because there's no more dirt on it. That's right, but don't bend it for naughtiness. I took soap and I, and I cleansed the possum babies out of my ass crack. And now I don't have dengue fever. It's weird. Don't you go masturbating and get dengue now. <laughs> One of the reasons the diet took off and people felt better. The diet. The diet. The diet say, took off. No, you said diet, but it's shocking that this is called the diet. Yeah, it's, it's called diet. common sense, yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. It's because people ate like shit at the time. Right, complete right. shit. Uh, meals were jam-packed with grease and meat products. British astronomer Francis Bailey wrote in his diary that his landlord at a Virginia inn served a breakfast of beefsteaks, sausage, stewed veal, Fried hams, eggs, coffee, and tea. I will say, have you seen the morning Taco Bell menu? <laughs> With a hash brown, I think we have it. I, yeah. think, I think that's actually something you can get at Denny's yeah, right that, now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the all-meat plate! <laughs> and eggs. Well, you know, that was, that, that was gluten-free, everything that you read. Nope. I'm just yeah, saying it's so gluten-free. Nope. It's totally gluten-free. His next diary entry noted simply... <laughs> I've died. Whilst at the... <laughs> I just died. Whilst at the place, breakfast. we buried our landlord. <laughs> Wait, what? He what? did die. The landlord died. <laughs> While he was there, he died. Because he was taking veal suppositories yeah. every morning. Good morning. <laughs> Whoop. That's tiny cow up my ass. <laughs> Uh, things got much worse as you headed away from the East Coast and into the frontier. It became all about pork. Oh, Sliced, God. chopped, or torn from the bodies of hogs, most often salted so that it would keep, fried pork was served up in thick chunks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh. Pork wasn't just the other white meat. It was the only white meat. <laughs> and the only thing on the table for most Americans. One adventure, sniffly, sniffing the breeze to discover the essence of the brave new land, came to the conclusion that everything tastes and smells of hog's grease. Uh. That's, why, that's why no Jewish gunfighters. <laughs> Like, why would I? Why would I move to Laredo? Screw this! I'm not doing it. You know, stay in New York. Have a nice chicken. You know, some kreplach. I can't get a good matzo ball out here in the frontier. I can't duel tomorrow. I can't. I won't. I won't I've had nothing to eat. There's nothing to eat here. I won't do it. I won't. <coughs> People uh, therefore suffered incessantly from arteriosclerosis, heart disease, and dyspepsia. Everyone, ba everyone back then was moaning and clutching at their stomachs. Nineteenth century I mean, America. Imagine living in a world this where you walked up morning. Ah, oh, fuck! 
How's your wife? <laughs> oh, she's got the diarrhea. She does. So does my wife and me. I got meat cramps. <laughs> meat cramps. Meat cramps. Four score. It's go. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Seven. Girls. I'll take over, Mister. Oh <laughs> shit. It's so. John Wilkes Booth's like Mister. Ooh. Fuck. Shit. And yet it's. Hilariously not far off from like Mississippi today. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Mississippi, we're bringing that back. <laughs> we're the original hipsters, man. We started the grunt greeting. <laughs> How are you? Ow. Nineteenth century America suffered from one huge bloated, gaseous, painful, enormous belly ache. <laughs> Defined in the mid-17th century as difficulty of digestion or fermentation in the stomach or guts, dyspepsia was the disease of the Steel Age. All classes and all ages suffer from its attacks, noted the 1830 edition of Encyclopedia Americana. Dyspepsia was so much a part of the American lifestyle, one compiler of cookbooks referred to it as Americanitis. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Why did that ever go anywhere? <laughs> how have we not... How is there not a wow. restaurant called Americanitis? Yeah. How are you doing? I'm from America. Oh, <laughs> you know, you didn't have to tell me where you were from. I heard you farting off the plane. I could tell. What are you doing? Only pork? Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the pork diet. I'm from America. I know, I know. We know, yeah. yeah. No, you're leaving a trail. So the national as you anthem walk. should just be like just one long fart and then a groan. That should yeah. be the and all rise. <laughs> Play ball. All right, here we go. Pork, get your pork here. Fresh hot pork. <laughs> diapers. Americanitis diapers. A visit, a visit to a store was described like this. When one enters the door, a bell rings. Ting-a-ling-a-ling. Hello, Mrs. Johnson. Which calls, which calls the attendant from the barn. The barn. Because that's where the store guy is, out in the barn. I'm just picking up pig shit. He plunges his un oh shit. He plunges his unwashed hands. Oh Christ. A good start. <laughs> there you go. To any statement. Yeah. Into the pork or pickle barrel. Ah. Cuts, what? Cuts cheese or butter, often drawing <laughs> kerosene and molasses, and wiping the overflow on his coat sleeve. What? The Just maple. Masturbate. The maple. <laughs> Sweet God. The maple bottles, the maple syrup bottles stand nearby, and the keeper himself has been seen to take a swallow at them from different uh. times when, when his seat tweet tooth called. Wait, hold what on. The He's fuck? like, yeah, he just takes a big swig. You want a hit, or you go? This is someone's gonna buy that. So hold on, my hands in my ass. Shopping for groceries was a death sentence. What? <laughs> <laughs> You walked in a door and a man covered in pork could maybe drink syrup. I've, I've been up to my elbows and pork in this all day. It's time for a sweet treat. I, I, I just earned myself a sweet treat. I was in the pork belly for 15 minutes. I'm going to have a sweet treat. You want a sweet treat? You see, my doctor told me I have to go on a little bit of a diet. So I'm drinking more syrup. Yeah. 
Hey, you get it. I'm doing a syrup and pickle juice cleanse. <laughs> anyway, what piece of pork do you want out of this barrel? <laughs> or do you want to try your luck with the pork barrel? <laughs> or you can lick my apron. <laughs> An apron licks a salty nickel. <laughs> Uh, so Graham's diet was embraced by a lot of people. Graham was also very upset with white bread. Sure. His main target was white flour. Stripped of its healthful germ, Graham saw white flour as a poor substitute for whole wheat. It did not give the teeth or the stomach a proper workout, and it led to a lazy colon. He wrote... In the treatise on bread and bread making. <laughs> my Bible. Yeah. That's, that, that's my favorite Michael Bay film. That's his so. best adaptation. <laughs> treatise on bread making. It's pretty amazing. It's really good. <clears throat> it's great. Graham accused commercial bakers of not only refining their flour into a sinful extreme, but also growing their grain on debauched and exhausted soil, artificially stimulated with animal manure. Bakers were furious. They attacked a Boston lecture hall where he was scheduled to speak in March 1837. Bakers! The bakers are coming! <laughs> they do like a drive-by flowering or something? Like, Throw flour at them! <laughs> now roll yourselves out! <laughs> Wait, what did we do? Go, go, go! Graham ba barely avoided being physically assaulted in the confrontation. The His bakers. reputation took another pounding. The bakers! <laughs> And we've got milkmen in tow, in case you were wondering. <laughs> uh, the, uh, his reputation took another pounding when the staff doctor of a Boston lunatic asylum declared that Graham was obviously insane. Well, that hurts. Yeah. Doesn't help things. By the way, that's how bad America was. The anti-masturbation lunatic was right about every fucking other thing. That's the world that... I mean. This is the twilight zone that Americans were living in at the time. They had to call off one lecture because they thought it would lead to a riot of bakers. A baker riot? There's bread everywhere! These cakes aren't rising! His ideas on diet and hygiene were largely ridiculed. Ralph... Waldo Emerson called oh, him good. the prophet of bran and pumpkins. <laughs> Boom. Which, which yeah. would easily Take get him that. to be the Starbucks yeah. CEO. That's right, yeah. That's a rap diss that I ever heard one. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, this is, the, this is the prophet of bran and pumpkins. Oh, oh shit. Oh, oh, shit. No, he didn't. But Graham's followers still grew in numbers. Graham was not the first to espouse many of these ideas, but he singularly made health a moral crusade. Some saw him as a visionary. During the 1830s, many American Purit Puritans took up the diet. At one point, it was strictly imposed on students of Oberlin College by David Campbell. During the period in which it was enforced, some rebellious students ate off campus. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Take that system. <laughs> They're like We're the walking. Delta House of Oberlin, yeah. man. <laughs> Come on, Bluto, let's go get some salt pork. <laughs> hey, Larry, you want to get some white bread? Yeah. <laughs> little syrup shake? That crazy fraternity with their eating white bread? <laughs> These guys are rebels. 
At one point, a professor was fired for refusing to stop bringing his own pepper. <laughs> okay, so... So... Wow. What did I tell you, Professor O'Donohue? I don't remember. No more pepper, sir! Oh, right. All right, not here. Uh, wait, what? You're fired! For what? Pepper! <laughs> yeah, bullshit! I'm a fucking masturbate! <laughs> not the bakers! Graham's system of living even inspired the establishment of several male-only boarding houses where Grahamite meals were served and Graham's precise sleeping exercise and bathing regimes were strictly enforced. It's just so So that crazy. was the least masturbating place on earth. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's, it's fun to stay at the Grahamite Hotel. <laughs> fun to stay at the Grahamite Hotel. You can hang out with guys who do not masturbate. You can eat lots of fruits and grains. And, oh, sorry. <laughs> Graham's speaking fees swelled to as much as 300 per night as he jumped into new areas of medical investigation. He preached against Such the... Such as. <laughs> Here we go. He preached against the danger of feather beds <laughs> and tight corsets, claiming that folly in dress killed 80,000 Americans a year. He criticized schools, warning that the disappropriate ex- they were a disappropriate exercise of the brain. And it was dangerous... <laughs> You gotta be self taught <laughs> and, and schools are dangerous for they lead to a general debility of the nervous system involving the genital organs. Oh, there we are back to the jennies, yeah, so that's good. Well, if you go to school, you're yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, you don't want to learn too much or your yeah. penis will fall off. Yeah. <laughs> I've always said that. I'm yep. on record. I ain't, I ain't sending my, my son to some school to get his dick fucked up. <laughs> Goddamn books. They'll probably slam his dick in the book. That's what Graham's talking about. His friend went to school. You know what happened? He got no balls or dick. They're both gone. I don't know where they went. He cracked a book. His dick fell right off. Brought his own pepper, too. You're going to read yourself into being a eunuch. Such eccentric opinions caused Graham's light to fade on the national stage. Oh, why? So he crossed a line. Why? He crossed a line just with the schools and the corsets. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, no. That's going to yeah. hurt your draw. You were making sense up until yeah. now. Yeah. When he started talking about corsets, that was his uh, Billy Idol's Love Me Tonight. That was when that video came out and killed his career. That was his look it up, people. It destroyed a career in one night. Look it the fuck up. Uh, I'm sorry, rock you tonight. What about rock me tonight? Not about, love you tonight. How about Michael Keaton's Jack Frost? Um, oh, fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he Not came bad. back. Yeah, it well, it's going to take Graham well, a while. Maybe there's a Birdman in his future. Let's he find retired. Out. Fingers crossed. Come he on. retired to Northampton, Massachusetts, where he continued to pour forth medical and spiritual advice. He and had a, not he, jerk he had off. an yeah. ugly end. Oh, no. Oh, By 1850, his health and status had declined to the point where one of his neighbors described him as. Oh boy, this is exciting. Oh. Infirm, mm-hmm. seated in a wheelbarrow. What? Wait. <laughs> you didn't. Wait, just to wait, be clear, sorry, you sorry, didn't. Sorry, you sorry. said wheelbarrow. Say wheelbarrow. 
infirm, seated in a wheelbarrow. Fair, okay. And clothed in a long dressing gown of bed ticking, wheeled through the streets to the post office by a manservant. <laughs> That's how I want to end up. That's where I see myself. <laughs> Let me put on my nightgown and take me to the post office. Wheel me around like dirt. <laughs> A wheelbarrow as your mode of transportation is kind of fucking And you awesome. have a manservant, the guy. What does that guy do when he's off work? Hey, so what do you do? What's your job, man? He said, was a, I, I push this crazy guy around a wheelbarrow all day. And uh, he just doesn't jerk off. And, uh, hey, look, no pepper in my life. That's all I'm I got to do. Keep I'm a rioting baker by week, and then I'm a wheelbarrow <laughs> man at weekends. Today, Graham is most famous for developing his own process for making whole wheat flour, which he used for his Graham bread. Today we know this as graham crackers. Oh, man. So wait. wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Did you Stop. just ruin graham crackers a little bit? <laughs> you did, right? Wow. Like, they're now... They're not as good. You... Wow. The Nabisco company's gonna come after yeah. you so fucking hard. Yeah. Masturbators eat goldfish. Can I just say... to Yeah, to... <laughs> To whoever's listening, I'm just a guess on this. I do not want to piss off Big Graham. That's all I'm saying. I do not want to piss off Big Graham. I got Jesus, a for the man who don't want to stop jerking off. <laughs> Are your hands greasy? Use them. <laughs> Come like a cannon with Triscuits. <laughs> That's their slogan. That's why they got those quadrants, right? <laughs> Today we know them as graham crackers, though oh it has no. been transformed into the very thing he spent his life railing against, sweet flavor and mass production. Amazing. Oh, Jesus, that's right. What a great so legacy. he made them flavorless, and someone was oh. like, let's put some sugar or honey in here. <laughs> Fuck that yeah. guy. Oh, they taste hey, good. You know ah! I've, always <laughs> I've always loved maple syrup. Maybe we pour a little of that there on there and have a wackadoo. <laughs> As you know what would know be good on this vegan salad? Bacon birds. Bingo. Add some bacon birds. <laughs> no one will know. Now, back to William Miller. Oh, okay. In 1831 in the town of Dresden, William Miller decided it was time to reveal his Bible math theory <laughs> that Jesus was about to return. Isn't it great that you almost forget about the Bible math theory <laughs> yeah. as knee-deep yeah. as we are in this? And he read it at a lecture there, and people's minds were blown. <laughs> he then wrote 16 articles for the Vermont Telegraph, and everyone was in. Uh-oh. I began, quote, I began to be flooded with letters of inquiry respecting my views, and visitors flocked to converse with me on the subject. He became overwhelmed with requests from people to travel and give speeches about his awesome new Bible end days math. So he wrote a book. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. Evidence from Scripture and History of the Second Coming of Christ about the year 1844 exhibited in a course of lectures. So he didn't have an editor. <laughs> <laughs> right? By the year 1840, it was or, on. Or Super Fudge. That or was the other <laughs> title. Or Super Fudge. Fudgerama Super Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the year 1840, it was on. Millerism had gone from a local wacko idea to a national campaign. It was driven by periodical literature. There were at least 48 Millerite periodicals being circulated. Jesus. It spread to Great Britain, Britain, Norway, Chile, and Australia. Oh, that's Hello! Awful. Yeah. 
I'm sorry, what was was that? That was a Australian. shout out to Australia. Oh, straight up Australia. That seems to be accent. your accent for every country, by the way. I'm no. just saying. No, I'll do one for hey, Great Dave, Britain. Dave, it was also happening in Chile. Hello! Oh, see, that's no. And you said you had a Great Britain? Yeah. Hello! Okay. Nor- and Norway. How come not? Oh, yeah. And then one more time, Australia, yeah. just to make sure we got it. Hello! Yeah, okay, we well, that's very, very good. you? Okay, no more Australian. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Now everyone wanted an exact date because, you know, he was doing math. Come on, man. Sure, I mean, at this point. <laughs> Miller would not give one. Oh. I've got it narrowed down to the year. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but I he like did how not, that's not good enough. He yeah. narrowed it down to a time frame sometime in the Jewish year beginning in the Gregorian year of 1843. Uh, quote, my principles in brief are that Jesus Christ will come again to this earth, cleanse, purify, and take possession of the same with all the saints sometime between March 21st, 1843, and March 21st, 1844. Boom. It's pretty mm-hmm. good. You got a year. You so got a year window. Post it on your calendar. Yeah. So, so people start selling their houses and going up to the woods and getting ready for the end exactly. times. And then the smart people are like, this is a really cheap house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can live here for sure. So no spoilers, but everyone, everyone knows Jesus didn't come back, right? Well, not necessarily. March twenty first, eighteen forty four, came and went with no Jesus fire. Uh oh. So Miller went back and checked his math. Mm-hmm. He didn't carry the five. <laughs> Classic Miller. It turns out he made a mistake. What? No. Yep. He used the wrong calendar. He had oh. used the rab- rabbinic calendar, rabbinic rabbinic calendar. Sure. He should have used the. That's his karate. That's got to be a. No, the karate that's, calendar. It's got to be a. It's got to be an autocorrect. But the karate Jewish calendar. Yeah. That's autocorrect. The karate Jewish calendar. Yeah. Jewish. Yeah. It's like with a, wash on. a circumcision. It's yeah. Whack on, whack off. Walk on. Whack. <laughs> So is a mistake. He came up with a new date. New date. <laughs> What's the new date? April eighteenth, eighteen forty-four. That's like less than a month away. Wow. Sadly, he gave himself the, no breathing room. Basically, no. So sadly, the eighteenth came and went, and no Christ <laughs> again. Right? Yeah. What? What is this guy's deal? Kind of a bummer. <laughs> What's Jesus's deal? Did he check a Taekwondo calendar? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was the calendar jujitsu? Nah. <laughs> so they had so the, well, the Millerites were mad because they wanted him to use judo. Get it? Because the Ooh. thing with the you're up, you're up, you're up, Patton, you're up, you're up, Patton, you're up. There you are, you're up. Hello, you're up, you're up baby, you're back. Mm. So the Millerites had a big meeting in August of 1844. <laughs> big meeting, August 1844, and a yeah. dude named Samuel Snow discovered. New math. Oh, oh of course. Oh, Guess what? No. Christ wasn't coming again. Ah. This fucking year, October 22nd, 1844. Boom. August 22nd, 1844. Mark forever it. became known as the Great Disappointment. Why? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait. Ah. Wow. Because Why? Jesus did not come. What? Yeah. But he keeps saying he'll come. I know. This is the math. Where is wow. he? Wow. This is the Star Wars prequels of prophecies, then. I mean, this is just brutal. <laughs> there was yeah, just like some weird figure like, yeah. I'm not Jesus, I have to. You're like, oh, God, this fucking asshole. Millerite leaders 
and followers were bewildered and disillusioned, and they fractured. Some kept pushing the date. What about September uh, uh, 1845? <laughs> sure. Others joined the Quakers. Hey, what are you guys doing? Some joined the uh, the Shakers, who believed that Christ had already appeared for the second time in the person of in the person of Mother Ann Lee. Sorry, the Shakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's the Quakers and the Shakers. <laughs> and what, ba- and what about the Bakers? <laughs> yeah. So I there's mean, the Quakers, stuff, there's the Shakers, and then there's Bakers in this. And then group. there's the Math Takers. Yeah. So yeah, girl. I will. I'll allow him. <laughs> Gary where, was gets that a like point. a rivalry? Uh, I don't know if there were rivals, but yeah. Whoever came been. up first would have been like, fuck you guys, know, yeah. what's your problem? I know they had a football league. Quakers v. Shakers? Uh, I just love that the Shakers already thought Christ came back in a lady called Ann Lee. They were like, that's Jesus. We solved it. It's her. <laughs> anyway, what's next? Hello, I'm Jesus. <laughs> you heard it here first, gang. Who wants some a jar of preserves? That's her. The him. Sounds like Jesus, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, many just went back to their original churches, and many Miller, Millerites split into three main factions. Oh Miller continued to be- believe that Christ was returning, and he chalked up the errors to human error. He decided that there is human error in Bible chronology. Shocker. <laughs> that could throw the date off somewhat and account for the discrepancy. But what about new math? Ah. Well, that, he can't do new math if someone wrote down the first <laughs> shit wrong. Yeah, exactly. Think about it, you doesn't, fucking doesn't heathen. Help him. <laughs> He died on December 20th, 1849, believing Christ was coming at any moment. That's how I want to go. Oh, if, man, I would have loved to have been at his bedside and literally as dying go, Oh, I see him coming. And no, 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 don't, don't, don't! Oh, my God, not now! <laughs> One more second and it'll all be... Oh, oh sorry, dude. Oh. Poor fella. One of the three main groups Millerites <laughs> split into were the Seventh-day Adventists. Oh, oh boy. boy. The Seventh-day Adventists decided that on October 1844, some shit did go down, but it was in heaven. Uh, loophole. Wait a Bullshit minute. loophole. Is no, it happened. What? Is Up there. Yeah. Is that, is that where the term the seventh day comes from? That it was the, the seventh one that they were predicting? <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm not being funny. Was that, is that where their title comes from? Seventh day Adventist and it happened and no one saw it. It must be. That's got to be. It's a great name. Huh. For, about, for about 20 years. <laughs> really takes a little shine off that name, though, really right? It really does, yeah. Seventh guessers. For about. <laughs> yeah, they should have they called themselves the, all right, fine, Adventists. <laughs> Wrong six times, Adventists. <laughs> For about 20 years, the Seventh-day Adventists were loose-knit groups spread out and mostly reading periodicals. Then the church was formed and established in Battle Creek, Michigan on May 21st, 1863 with a membership of 3,500. So they're getting it going. Between the Great Disappointment and the official founding of the church, (laughs) a boy was born into the world. No, no, no. His name? No. John Harvey Kellogg. Oh, boy. Poor kid already. Poor kid. His parents were Seventh-day Adventists, and they moved to Battle Creek, Michigan in 1860. His father opened a broom factory. Uh, a what? A broom factory? A broom factory. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. So it's the kind of All job you want to well. brag about. People yeah. were sweeping. <laughs> one That's of the how they would bathe. They would just sweep themselves back one of then. The <laughs> one of the early founders of the Adventists was a woman named Ellen G. White. Ellen's parents were Millerites, and she was raised terrified that she would be eternally lost. When she was nine, she was hit in the face with a large rock. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm 
shouldn't laugh at that, but what the hell? Okay. So she, she grows up terrified, and then on top of it, someone hits her with a rock. Giant rock right in the face. Oh, wow. Fuck her you, nose, universe. Her nose was disfigured, and she was in a coma for several weeks. Jesus. Cool, cool, cool. But she awoke, and Uh-oh. soon after, began having visions. Mm. Of rocks. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Many neurologists think her early injury may have caused partial complex seizures and hallucinations, which led her to believe that she had visions of God. Hmm. Nevertheless, the Adventists took Ellen's visions as real. (laughs) She had thousands of visions, all of which fit nicely into the Adventist beliefs. So wait, Mm -hmm. because a urologist... (laughs) Neurologist. Oh, I thought you said a urologist. That that changes changes everything. Did I say urologist... Changes everything for me. Changes a- my whole my whole point's different. Now. No, no, I was I'm saying that neurologists looking back on it think that, but I also don't think there were urologists back no. then. Well, in my head, urologists were, were doing everything. But at there that were point. like Graham was the kind yeah. of doctor that they had. They didn't have a guy that was like, "Can I no. let's check your urine?" Well, that's why I thought the the urologist being like, "Yeah, no, she's fine." <laughs> I checked her head. She's all set. I drank some of her piss. She's good to go. So she began having visions of angels blaring the call of a perfect diet. That way. (laughs) On June 6, 1873, an angel told her to eat two meals a day, mostly of graham bread, fruit, and vegetables. Shut the fuck up. To be avoided with salt, lard, spices, coffee, tea, tobacco. Meat was also forbidden. So Ellen White was having (laughs) visions about the Graham diet. I'm the angel of Atkins. (laughs) Give me a sign, God. Talk to the coma girl with the diet tips. (laughs) That's my my messenger on Earth. (laughs) Could I have done better? Sure, I could have done better. Sure, I could have done better. For sure, in retrospect. Somebody, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the U.S. was a filthy place back then. <laughs> Life expectancy was 41 years, uh, just 41 years. In the slums of the cities, death was frequent among the working class. To work in 19th century factories was like a death sentence. Well, Lead rocks po- were flying around all the yep. time, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Lead poisoning was common in certain trades like printing, pottery, paintworks, and shipbuilding. And it was common to have the streets just filled with rotting waste. Wow. Alrighty. Also, yep. the um, that was what is that other profession? Lead drinking was really dangerous. <laughs> Hot lead occupation. They did not live. Hot the, occupation. Yeah. No, it was really hard. Most people took baths once a week, while others never bothered to bathe. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Bacteria was common in water wells. Uh, lack of sanitation and health habits made it easy for people to become ill. Hospitals were not any better. Doctors right. viewed disease as an imbalance of bodily humors. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Just so not they funny would, enough. So they would just bleed <laughs> off. <laughs> They would just bleed off extra blood. Sure. A doctor would drain a pint or two for days from a patient's body, purging the body, generally followed by bloodletting. They did this by giving strong drugs such as as mercury and strychnine. Oh, my God. What the fuck? (laughs) Which were extremely poisonous. Yeah. It's all bad. But, but, but fevers, diarrhea, and vomiting were considered symptoms of recovery (laughs) <laughs> You're and dying. You're getting better. And thus the drugs were working. Our father's had a heart attack. Give me 20 cc's of poison stat. Oh, he's shitting out of his eyes. Yay. He's not moving anymore. I think he's better. Thanks, doctor. 
Doctors are not very well trained. A person can. What, what are you sure? <laughs> that sounds like they are. A person could go to a diploma mill for four to eight months to get medical training of the day and then set up a practice. No! Hey. No! No! No, 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 no. It's not like there was anybody no. regulating it. It's just a guy who would just go, That's like, yeah, my issue. That's hey, my issue. Doctor! Yeah. All right, for That's your it. final exam, poke this guy, make him bleed. Yeah. All right, here's your diploma. Hey, I did it, honey! <laughs> By 1800, Columbia, Harvard, and Dartmouth had established medical departments. These institutions consisted of five or six non-salaried professors, usually physicians, and they made their money by selling their lecture notes to students. Jesus Christ. How could that go wrong? It's just set up Yeah, yeah, here's another one. Buy that. (laughs) Well, I work on selling bullshit, so here's some bullshit. How's that? All right, great. So there were hundreds of people calling themselves doctors practicing medicine with no training. One of the earliest institutions in the United States designed to deal with illness was located in Danville, New York. Dr. James Jackson and Dr. Russell Trall promoted health reform and used the idea of hydrotherapy, ice, and steam to treat their parents. (laughs) Patience. Patience. Okay. Patience. Way better. Way better. Way better. Way better. That was one of Sylvester Graham's ideas. Hose them off! Ellen White's husband, James White, received treatment at the Danville, New York institution, institution. And on their way home, they stopped in Rochester, New York, to visit friends oh boy. where Ellen had a vision. No, no, no. No, no, no. She saw that the Adventists should establish a water cure and veg- vegetation institution where a properly balanced God-fearing course of treatments could be made available. So she had a vision about the place they were just at. And thought that she should do that. Am I crazy? I'm having a vision that's exactly like where we just were. Let's open one. Isn't that a memory? <laughs> no, it's a vision. No, I'm seeing sure it. It's a vision. I can see it. I can see that's it. That's like where we were an hour and a half ago. She's got a vision. The Seventh-day Adventists opened a sanitarium in Battle Creek nine months later. It was all about pure air, sunlight, rest, water cures, exercise, and proper diet. <laughs> Lunatics. It opened... <laughs> On September 5th, 1866, as six as the Western Health Reform Institute. The first nurses at the Institute were Adventist farm women who volunteered their time to do everything from chopping wood to administering massages. Sometimes they would mix those up. It really, <laughs> that was not good. My shoulder! <laughs> I'm sorry. I Sorry, I was just rubbing some birch. Sorry, my hand slipped. That's my bad. <laughs> just rubbing this log, and I just, you know how it is. I only have two hands. Yeah. It soon became obvious they needed trained staff and professional administration. The hospital had gone into debt, so they appointed John Preston Kellogg as treasurer. John Harvey Kellogg, now a teenager, became his father's assistant. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. The Whites felt that John Harvey Kellogg had the potential to provide a leadership at the Institute. They subsidized his medical education at the University of Michigan and the Bellevue Hospital Medical College in New York City. While in New York, Kellogg would breakfast on seven graham crackers and an apple, one coconut a week, and an occasional side dish of potatoes. (laughs) Then, at 24, in 1876, leading church members persuaded Kellogg to take over as physician-in-chief, despite his youth and total lack of experience. (laughs) Well, that's a good sign. Self-taught. You take he a run at it, John. Come on. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. I could kill. We got masseuses all. killing people with axes. <laughs> he replaced the term sanatorium with a new name, sanitarium. Oh. 
The Battle Creek Medical uh, like Surgical Sanitarium <laughs> was to be sanitary. Place where people learn to stay well. Kellogg issued the Seventh Day Adventist vegetarian diet and revised it. Meanwhile, he, the Dearborn Filtatorium was like, it's never going to catch on. <laughs> We're good. You know, they We're might good. have a good couple months, <laughs> yeah, but long but term? Nothing. Oh, yeah. Back to the They'll be back to the Filtatorium. Yeah, you know, yeah, you go up to yeah. the place where they clean you up, but you'll come back wanting to throw shit all over That's you right. in have a fucking fun. heartbeat. Where are you going to eat pork <laughs> and drink syrup? Yeah, rotate the patients into vomit baths. <laughs> Yeah. It's a filtatorium, you sissies. <laughs> you knew what you signed up for. He advised patients to eat what the monkey eats, simple food and not too much of it. He pushed peanut butter. Like the monkey! Yeah. And invented a mechanical horse for exercising. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. He preached the value of aerobic exercise using recorded music. Oh. Zumba. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he was super obsessed with colons. <laughs> now, should we be worried? Here we go. All right. We should be worried. We're jumping into the colon, boys. Because up until then, this guy sounds... Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Well, hold on to your asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Kellogg considered the colon central to good health. He lectured on the theory of auto-intoxication, a self-poisoning caused by the too slow breakdown of food in the intestines and colon. He preached a vegetarian diet, exercise, and frequent bowel movements, three a day. Quote, a housebroken colon is a damaged colon. I'm sorry. What? What does that even mean? He said it. I don't think anybody knew what it meant. Wait, no, no, no. I think he is saying shit your pants. Yeah. Yeah, don't tell you. Your colon should tell you when it's going to shit, and you have no say in it. It's not up to you if you're home or not. Go. Yeah. Yeah. So. No holding. (laughs) Some of his health and fitness regimes seemed unusual. Like exercising in athletic diapers. Oh, boy. Uh, So that is what he's saying. uh, Yeah. He wants you to work out so hard that you shit your pants. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ten and rest. Take a shit. (laughs) Get ready, guys. Get those weights. Let's get some music for you guys. Do you believe in love? That'll help. That'll help. That'll help. He believed in dunks into electrified water pools. What? Sure, 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 sure. Jesus. Sure. Eel baths. <laughs> and uh, multiple daily enemas. Okay, so uh, what's happening right multiple. now? Multiple. Yeah, multiple. That's like eight. That's more than one, which is crazy. <laughs> For a time, Kellogg promoted Fletcherizing. Or chewing oh food until it slithered down the throat. Go. Wait, what? He, he wanted you to chew food until it just found its own way down. Am I crazy to think I call that eating? <laughs> no, you chew food until you can get it down. He so was you like, chew until it naturally is like, I'm ready to glide. <laughs> there it is. Did my Adam's apple move? Then I did it right. (laughs) But truly, his first love was the bowels. (laughs) That's just everybody's first love. I mean, 
From the beginning of his time as a doctor, Kellogg was fascinated with the bowel. Oh, boy. Quote, it was his favorite piece of anatomy, his first love. I mean, that's just a red flag, right? I mean, it's just, well, it's a brown flag. It's a brown flag. It was right there, people. Am I going to pick it up? It's right there. The bowels held him in rapture. Once. Oh, my God. He liked the bowels. Yeah, but it helped to hold him in rapture? Rapture. Get Come in, to me. Get into it. Once, when an Adventist interrogator framed all of his medical questions in terms of religious beliefs, Kellogg turned on him. Oh, boy. Is Go God a man with two arms and legs like me, he demanded? Does he have eyes, a head? Does he have bowels? Oh boy. No, the Adventist answered, deeply offended. Well, I do, cried Kellogg, and that makes me more wonderful than he is. <laughs> You know I'm better like, than God because I have bowels. But that is like one of those situations. Can God shit? <laughs> That's like can he shit? No, he chooses not to. Then I am better than he. No, you just didn't have a comeback. You didn't I'm have wearing a, comeback. a diaper. Unlike God, who can't shit himself when riding around no, on a God carriage. God could shit himself if he desired to. I'm not the Lord, and I have diarrhea. I just feel like we're on different pages. I really... I'm saying different arguments. Sir, your 315 enema is here. <laughs> if we, we could wrap this up in 315 enema. Thank you. Thank you, James. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. They're going to put a hose in my asshole. <laughs> I'm trying to leave. <laughs> According to Kellogg, 90% of human ills originated in the bowels. The... B- <laughs> The bow got, yes, 90%. Okay, just want to make sure we have the More right. math that yep. works if you yep. think Working about it. Working self-taught math, for sure. So he, what he's saying is if cancer was up your ass, he'd know where it was. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. The bow got Kellogg's undivided medical attention. Attention. <clears throat> the purific... The purif... Oh, boy. <laughs> It got, changed, out. It, got cha- it got changed again by the... Okay, uh, the purification changes, which occur in the undigested residues of uh, flesh foods, were to blame, he explained. Guests who arrived at Battle Creek soon, soon learned that their once pristine bowel was actually a sewer of auto-intoxication full of poisons like Cretan, Skatol, and Indole. I'm going to like it here. <laughs> I didn't know that. You're dirty on the inside, Patton! <laughs> Kellogg's Skretol! Kellogg's influence and enthusiasm made the bow not only an acceptable subject of polite conversation, but a national obsession. Wow. More and more people became convinced that their bowel must be given an antiseptic cleaning. The bowel, poisoned by meat-eating, drinking, smoking, and usually anything pleasurable, was poked, prodded, and probed by attendants at the sanitarium. And the list of people coming was the who's who's of the U.S. Oh, boy. These included Otto Baron Henry Ford. Wow. Retailers J.C. Penney and S.S. Akrige. It's me, J.C. A- Penney. <laughs> Have a look. How's my asshole? Actress Sarah Bernhardt, explorer William Byrd, inventor Thomas Edison. Wow. Industrialist oh Harvey Firestone, President William Howard Taft. Holy Taft's ass? Yeah. You had to go into Taft's ass. Into Taft's ass. You were like, there's bats! (laughs) William! 
That's when they built the first submarine, by the way. That, that was uh, that. That's a whole other dollop. But <laughs> the hunt for red polyp. <laughs> and wow. Amelia Earhart. Oh and talk God. show host Larry King. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm here either. <laughs> well, it's my 50th birthday. I thought I'd come by and have you poke my colon. <laughs> Coming up next on tonight's show, Amelia Earhart, Henry Ford, and Martin Landau. <laughs> on the next Larry King Dead. <laughs> Kellogg made sure that the bowel of each and every patient was plied with water. His favorite device was an enema machine that could run 15 gallons of water through a bowel in a matter of seconds. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? What the actual fucking fuck? 15 gallons? I'm sorry. Whoosh! How do you feel? Like I just fell in Six Flags! What the fuck? I think Amelia Earhart crashed her plane on purpose. She's like... Fuck this. If this is the world I'm in, I'm going down in the goddamn ocean. I'm not putting another kiddie pool up my asshole. Oh my she God. saw the water. She was like, no more water! I've had enough! Fall! After the water enema, a patient was given a pint of yogurt, half of which was eaten, and the other half was taken through the anus. Thus, quote, thus planting the protective germs where they are most needed and may render most effective service. Nice. He's yep. the Willy Wonka of colons. <laughs> Come with me and you'll see a world of pure irrigation. Come with me. Jesus Christ. Sorry, some of these strawberries at the bottom are going to be tough. <laughs> oh, no. So they just I, I knew we were doing yogurt, but not the strawberry at the bottom. That's all they had left. It was nine for $9, so load it up. Well, can I have a napkin? This one's actually Trix flavored, so that'll be fun. God damn it. If a healthy dollop of yogurt was not enough to do the trick... I'd... Oh, that's fine. Okay. Too much right. masturbating. Thank you. <laughs> so hairy. <laughs> if a healthy dollop of yogurt was not enough to do the trick, more drastic steps were necessary. If auto intoxication persisted, and po- I just I I assume that if it's people were just... making smelly farts, he'd be like, "Well, we have to do more." No, well, there's no. Oh, Jesus! You're not cured yet. Uh, the offending stretch of intestine was removed. Kellogg whoa, performed. Wait, whoa, 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 Kellogg performed have... as many as twenty operations a day. Of intestine removal? Yes, because people would smell it. Poo poo. They didn't have anesthesia yet, did they? They had yogurt. (laughs) Feels like the same. Uh, I believe they did have anesthesia this time. For the doctors. Uh, For the doctors. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to cut them up. All right, I'm ready to do this crazy thing. (laughs) Uh, The result. Kellogg claimed was nothing short of a medical revolution. By pumping yogurt cultures into rectums of Americans, Kellogg claimed that he had managed to cure cancer of the stomach, ulcers, diabetes, schizophrenia, manic depressives, <laughs> acne, anemia, uh, migraine, and premature old age. There was you mean nothing aging? Th- you mean aging? Yeah. Okay. So schizophrenia and aging, yogurt up your ass. There was nothing a clean bowel couldn't handle. Yep. Hey. 
except for life. He also created a vibrating chair. The chair would shake violently. It was painful to sit in, but after a few minutes of treatment, it would supposedly stimulate intestinal peristalsis. Oh, the shit chair. (laughs) Peristalsis is a radically symmetrical contraction and relaxation of the muscles that propagates in a wave down a tube. In this case, the tube is the intestine. Now, normally that's not how the large intestine works. Normally the large intestine is able to hold stuff in. So basically he created a a chair that would shake you so hard that you would shit on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Institute. How do you feel? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) JCPenney. This summer at Six Flags. You're... (laughs) Get ready for shit chair! Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, he said that cured headaches. Of course it did, because you would shit the chair. Okay. A day, at the, a day at the sanitarium went like this. Patients performed calisthenics at 7 a.m., followed by laughing exercises. Indian. That's where he talked about his medical practices. Indian club demonstrations and gymnastic classes. They withstood all manner of mechanical massage, pummelings with trunk rollers, poundings with chest beaters, and punches from stomach beaters. What? They stood on... This it sounds, sounds like Dr. Sue. It does. I was going to say, it sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> they stood on vibrating platforms to stimulate their inner organs, galloped on mechanical horses, or sat on Kellogg's patented vibrating chair. They bathe endlessly inside and out with salt baths, steam baths, hot water baths, cold water baths, showers, douches, fermentations, and a high-powered enema. Good night. (laughs) And then Tuesday. Kellogg Kellogg received an enema from an orderly every morning after breakfast. In the cafeteria in front of everybody, just to let them know, welcome to the Institute. Now... Now, being pork and syrup's going to be flying, gang. <laughs> now, being a Seventh-day Adventist, Kellogg was one of the most ardent anti-masturbators in the United States of America. Okay. He was down on sex in general, thinking it was detrimental to physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. He actually abstained from sex himself, never consummating his marriage over four decades. Oh, because he was shitting his pants. Who yeah. wants to consummate that? Can, can you... Finger me. John. Not until after the chair. Please. Chair first, then maybe you. Just finger Just me. Just fill your diaper and finger blast me, please. I've Get the tub of water. Name. Don't, not now. I'm sitting. Sort of. He and his wife had separate bedrooms and adopted Why? all of their Why children. Why did they have separate bedrooms? I don't know. Oh. They had 42 foster children, adopting Wait. eight of them. Sorry? They had 42 foster children and they adopted eight. So that means that house must have smelled like shit in ways you can't imagine. A normal. He would show each child his balls and say, You didn't come out of these. (laughs) Happy birthday. (laughs) He cataloged 39 different symptoms of a person plagued by masturbation. Hmm. This is exciting. If. You noted any one of these symptoms, you would know that someone was a masturbator. Oh, okay. They included defective development. Okay. Mood swings. Sure. Fickleness. Yeah. Bashfulness. Oh, how dare you. Unnatural boldness. (laughs) Stiff joints. Paralysis. 
How fucked up is that? Some kid gets par- paralyzed and he's like, he's a masturbator! Let me ask you this, Tim. Did you masturbate? <laughs> One time. Well, God hates you. So. No, you no more walking. Got yep. what you got coming, yeah. didn't you, boy? God dealt with you. Why yep. don't you try to grab God your dick you. now? <laughs> <laughs> Bet you wish you could feel that hard dick, don't you? <laughs> well, those days are done, my man. Mm, girl. Girl. Fondness for spicy foods. Oh, uh, yeah. So all Mexicans yeah. were masturbators, oh. basically. <laughs> the entire continent of Mexico, they're all masturbators. Uh, acne? Acne, sure. Oh, did I say continent? Country. God damn it, I'm e- sorry. <laughs> sorry. Jesus sorry. Christ. You're an American. You're yeah, that's true. I'm American. Easily frightened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily <laughs> frightened. Oh, somebody's <laughs> been whacking it. R- round shoulders. I mean, honestly. <laughs> If you were born with like a hunchback, you'd be like, look at the jerk off boy. Palpitations. Off in the womb. Palpitations. So sweating. sweating was masturbating. Sleeplessness. Sure, not being able to sleep, you jerk off too much. Untrustworthiness. Well, you lied to me, you masturbator. <laughs> Paleness. All the Irish. You pasty jerk off. No, Great Britain is off the Yeah, map. the whole yeah. fucking place. And all emos. <laughs> and goth. I'm Fingernail biting. Oh, oh yeah. Moist cold hands. <laughs> what? Sure, yeah, nature's lube. Bedwetting and epilepsy. <laughs> epilepsy. Oh, hey epilepsy. shaky. Oh, let me guess, you just want to get a hand on that dick <laughs> while you shake on the ground, don't you, you filthy monger? <laughs> Kellogg said masturbating would cause cancer of the womb, urinary diseases, nocturnal emissions, impotence, insanity, and mental and physical disability as well as the classic <laughs> classic blindness. To quote such a victim literally dies by his own hand. And then he would drop the mic and go to the shit chair. <laughs> Boom. That's right, motherfuckers. In that Excuse list of side me. effects. <laughs> in that list of side effects is nocturnal emissions, which is what dreams, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Kellogg's first solution for jerking off was a healthy diet. Taking from Graham, he thought that meat and certain flavorful or seasoned foods increased sexual desires and that plainer food, especially cereals and nuts, could curb it. He was not the only one who believed a healthy diet would stop masturbation. Dr. Jackson, who had treated the whites previously when she had the... Yeah, yeah. He felt the same. He created a new food. He mixed water and unsifted flour ground into little bits and baked it twice. He called this mess granola. And it was the world's first cold breakfast cereal. The crunchy, flavorless concoction had to be soaked in milk to be soft enough to chew, and people did not like it, but the people who hated masturbation wanted it. (laughs) And an industry was born. Kellogg then created... No! It's fucking Kellogg? What? (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up! Tony the fucking Tiger's a goat! <laughs> Snap, crackle, fucking pop! Oh my god, you guys saw it live. Yeah. I see it every week across the table. <laughs> it's the same thing every Takes week. Takes them that long. Holy shit. Wow. Oh my god, that's amazing. Kellogg then created the world's second cold breakfast cereal and also named it Granula. And Jackson... Yum! Jackson was like, hey, that was my name. 
Then I made my stuff, and Kellogg was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then Jackson took him to court, and Kellogg renamed it Granola. Oh, Kellogg. But alas, the diet did not always stop masturbation, so other means were necessary. <laughs> Kellogg Here offered... comes Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, life on the ship can get pretty lonely. <clears throat> <laughs> Don't fondle your crunch berries. <laughs> Just run the real flag up the pole. <laughs> <laughs> Kellogg offered parents guidance for dealing with their son's self-exploration in a section of his book titled Treatment for Self-Abuse and Its Effects. One idea was to, chi- one idea was to tie a child's hands to his bedpost at night. Right. I'll see you later, Dave. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. Whoa. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> Don't you feel better? <laughs> Don't make me don't make mommy get the shit chair. And then there was circumcision. The foreskin was blamed as a major problem. First, it supposedly reduced the secretions that would get inflamed around the foreskin and thus stop young boys from itching their penises, which would lead to jerking off. A public a public school sex education manual at the time says keeping kids from scratching their dong is the only way to keep them out of the insane asylum. Quote A remedy which is almost always successful in small boys is circumcision. The operation should be performed by a surgeon without administering an anesthetic as the brief pain attending the operation will have a salutary effect upon the mind, especially if it be connected with the idea of punishment. Whoa! So hurt the dick so they never touch it. Right. The idea is you cut off that happy part of the cock without... Any anesthesia, and then the kid is like, "Ah, my cock hurts dead. all the time. That's I'm never right. gonna touch that again." Now try some frosted flakes. <laughs> People actually took up this idea, but they mostly went with anesthesia. Neonatal circumcision. Quitters, quitters, pussies, pussy and quitters. Uh, I want my kid's dick not to hurt. <laughs> Neonatal circumcision then crept into the American delivery rooms in the 1870s and 80s because of the claim that, later in life, it would prevent irritation that would cause the boy to become a masturbator. (laughs) Up until this time, most non-Jewish American boys were not circumcised, and today circumcision in the U.S. is common. I'm circumcised, you should know it, and it's because of some crazy fucking asshole. (laughs) But Dave, you did stop masturbating. That is true. You haven't ever masturbated. Uh, oh. Oh. Were you eating yogurt? Are you talking about since 10 this morning? Yeah. Did you say 10 this morning or 10 yeah, years old? It's this, this morning. All right, keep How much activity is up your ass right now? <laughs> Astivia. If parents didn't want to... Okay, ready? If parents didn't want to lop off part of their child's penis without numbing it first, Kellogg recommended the application of one or more silver, silver sutures in such a way as to prevent the erection. What the fuck? Are you serious? The foreskin <laughs> is drawn forward over the glands and the needle to which the wire is attached is passed through one side to the other. After drawing the wire through, the ends are twisted together. No! Like a, no, it's like a sardine can. And and you cut it off and you just tie the penis closed. Wait. Now it's impossible to get erect. Or, or piss. piss. Yeah, but or it's piss. not impossible to get erect because your your dick's still gonna and tear through it like a fucking Hulk. Breaking out of a cage. 
You can't hold a penis in a matter of time until that dick's flipping tanks on the street. <laughs> I keep thinking about how you couldn't pee. You could not piss. How could you piss through that? I mean, it would just be like, yeah, it would just be like, hey, it's a fun little sprinkler for the kids to run through. Parents were assured that sewing their son's penis into its foreskin acts as the most powerful means of overcoming the disposition to resort to the practice of masturbation. God damn it. But he wasn't just interested in stopping boys from self-love. Oh, oh good. God. He good, had good, an idea for God. the girls. Oh, good, good. Oh. That's right, ladies. It's your turn. Hang on to your pussies. <laughs> he advised the application of carbolic acid to the clitorises. God damn it. Of little girls to teach them not to touch themselves. It takes a lot to want the penis trap. <laughs> but I might be there. Today, today, medical doctors know that the carbolic acid is extremely poisonous, and when applied to tissues uh, directly to muscle or nerve, it causes instant paralysis. If carbolic acid did not do the trick, Kellogg reasoned it was necessary to remove. No, 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 no. That's a strong verb. By the way, this is this is remove? making me rethink how much I like Eminem's song "Acid on Your Pussy." <laughs> like now, I don't think I like. I mean, now that I know that's where it's from, that's not cool. It's less catchy. Yeah, it's way less catchy. <laughs> Kellogg continued coming up with different foods to eat that would keep people from touching their genitals. <coughs> Over a few years, he put many new items on the market under catchy names, organizing a new company for each one. Some were substitutes for meat, others coffee. Packaged in brightly colored boxes and easy to prepare, the foods were an instant success. The growing popularity of his products caused Kellogg to hire his younger brother, William Kellogg, as business manager. John always insisted he only wanted to improve health of his patients, not profit from health business. Always seeking new substitutes for animal products, the, the brothers one day discovered that wheat could be flaked. Instead of pulverizing the wheat into a flour, they steamed it and ran it between heavy rollers that squeezed the grain into flakes. Oh John believed the diet of flakes could greatly curb masturbation. Here we go. For girls, he envisioned that the flakes could be used as a mild, irritant douche. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Because we're about to hear what? about fucking cornflakes. What? And you're about to say that people were fucking douching with cornflakes? What? Yeah. That rooster's going to get his fucking head cut off. God damn. Douche with cornflakes? Part of this balanced pussy. The guests at the sanitarium loved the product, and soon everyone was clamoring for it. As a service to former patients... The Kellogg started the Sanitas Nut Food Company. He put his younger brother in charge of the business to produce the cereal for mail orders. Will continued to experiment on his own, developing a process for flaking corn in 1898. At that point, he left to go into business for himself. And on February 19, 1906, the Battle Creek Toasted Corn Flake Company organized. The product was later named the Kellogg Company. He took <laughs> corn flakes and made it the company's biggest item, packaging it in a box with the slogan, The Genuine Bears This Signature, W.K. Kellogg. From the beginning, the public liked cornflakes. Soon after opening the original plant, it was turning on a 1,000 cases a day. Less than a year later, production was four times that. A second plant started operation, but could barely fill demand. A bitter feud erupted between the brothers when Will gained sole rights to the market products of the Kellogg Toasted Cornflake Company. 
The battle was brutal, and the brother's relationship was finished. Another patient at the sanitarium for a while was a man named C.W. Post. <laughs> no! No! You motherfucker! <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, this is fucking... Are you fucking me? Are you kidding me, Dave? I mean, are you seriously... How the fuck does nobody know this shit? Some people do. Post was an inventor, a salesman, and a manufacturer of agricultural machinery. He had a nervous breakdown in 1885. I'm sure. Did he see, like, green clovers, yellow stars? But, like, was that what he was saying? Red balloons! After his breakdown, he moved to Texas and became involved in a real estate development project on 200 acres he owned in Fort Wayne. The stress of that led to another mental breakdown in 1991, and he decided to check out the idea of cure through diet and ended up at Battle Creek. Hope, hopefully exercising. For cereal flakes. <laughs> cuckoo for cocoa. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Cuckoo for cocoa people. Yeah. He, uh, he decided to check out the idea of cure through diet and ended up at Battle Creek, hopefully exercising while wearing diapers and having yogurt pumped sure. up his asshole. <laughs> sure, sure. The beginning of every great man's story, by the way. That's what I think when I think of Saturday morning cartoons. That's called the... That's a called man in a diaper getting yogurt ass. That's called the Hero's Journey Act 1. Hey, uh, how long have you been at the sanitary? <laughs> About two weeks. I'm starting to think that the reason we're wearing diapers and shitting so much is because we're getting yogurt put up our asshole. <laughs> Probably going to need to report you to the doctor because... <laughs> nope. Not okay. here. Uh, excuse better. me. Shit chair's free. Alarm. Oh, shit chair's shit free. Chair's move, free. move, move, move. <laughs> move. Out of my way. <laughs> Turn it to rocket blast. <laughs> I'm Henry Ford. <laughs> I'm President William Howard Taft. And I decree <laughs> that I'm a legal monster. Oh, God. Let me tell you something. You're new here, but don't get on the vibrating chair after Taft. <laughs> Woo! Taft <laughs> is out! They can't clean it. <laughs> Woo! After being... To cured. the bathtub! <laughs> I, being... just left, I just left a Taft and a half in the shit chair. That's <laughs> all so I'm saying. A Taft and a half. After being cured of his mental issues, he remained in Battle Creek and created the cereal Post Toasties. Oh, what the fuck? He heavily marketed Post Toasties until his product nearly rivaled Kellogg Corn Flakes. He then created the mighty anti-masturbatory Grape Nuts. <laughs> now... <laughs> couple things. Yeah, go. Uh... First of all, having nuts and a non-masturbatory product. Yeah. Fun. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Second of all, were grape nuts originally marketed as a non-masturbatory... S- I, you're nodding. Oh. So. I believe... I don't know that that's the truth, but boy, that certainly does sound about right. They're, sure. they're blue balls. Sure. Yeah. Blue nuts. That's blue what it should have been called. Yeah, they're yeah. big nuts. purple nuts. Okay, just wanted to make sure that <laughs> the cereal my athletic mother ate in my childhood was for non-masturbating. As you were. Grape Nuts became an international favorite. 
The Post and Kellogg companies were on the same side of Battle Creek and competed bitterly. Post <laughs> employees could not associate with Kellogg workers. Oh, the masturbated Kellogg's? And Stay out of that factory. My years, dearest, my dearest Margaret, the cereal wars drag on. I don't know if I'll ever see your beautiful face again. And oh, I so want to jerk off, but I'll grab another bowl of these grape nuts. And <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm eating a lot of fucking grape nuts right now in battle. <laughs> really want to masturbate. They could not. As the post employees could not associate with Kellogg workers, and for years, the semi-professional baseball teams maintained by each company could not play against each other because police feared rioting. <laughs> you cornflake son of a bitch! They just feared like a riot where everyone ejaculated in the middle of a melee. <laughs> ah! Ah! Punch me so I can come! Ah! Post claimed grape nuts cured many ailments, including appendicitis. He sure. was sued by a magazine that did not believe his claim. After Post stopped making claims about the healing powers of grape nuts. <laughs> then to really drive the point home, he suffered from appendicitis and eventually shot himself due to the pain. <laughs> With a barrel full of grape nuts in the mouth. <laughs> That's how I want to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he fucking killed himself. People are like, well, no, no more uh, grape nuts theories. That's the end of that chapter. Years later, post I've gone suicidal for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> <laughs> Follow your nose to the shotgun blast. <laughs> oh, that's too far, too, yeah. can? You friends with him? <laughs> Years later, Postum Cereals Company changed its name to General Foods Corporation. Will Kellogg and his company remained in Battle Creek, though his relationship with his brother John was strained. His name often appeared in news because of his involvement in charity projects. He provided his community with a municipal auditorium and two schools and a youth center and the city's first airport. In 1939, at age 79, Will retired from everyday operations of the company but remained as chairman of the board. John Kellogg died on, on December 14th, 1943, in Battle Creek, Michigan. After John died, Will learned that years earlier, John had written a letter to Will attempting to reopen their relationship. But John's secretary decided her employee had demeaned himself and refused to send it. Whoa. She was a cunt. Call. Yeah. <laughs> Will Kellogg did not see it until after his brother's death. Will Kellogg died at the age of 91 in Battle Creek, Michigan on October 6, 1951 of heart failure. Let me guess from a, from a whoops all crunch berries accident <laughs> at the factory. <laughs> no? <laughs> no one remembers that cereal? Okay, all right, sorry. How, how do you feel about your cereals? Uh, I mean, are you fucking serious? No, that's all made up. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> that all... I mean... That's I, all I real. Just, I honestly, like, the truth is, Dave, that you've ruined a lot of things for me. That's true. <laughs> but the idea now that you're yanking into my brain and grabbing my childhood out and putting it on the ground and stomping on it's tough. Sure. Because that is... I mean, that is... That is I mean, that's what growing up Saturday cartoons were cereal... Made from Kellogg's. All right, I'm going to give an opposing viewpoint. I now love the fact, and I'm energized by the idea 
that every bowl of cereal I have in the morning has that much psychosis <laughs> in it. Like, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm eating well, their, their psychotic energy every morning, <laughs> and I'm just going to, like, I just want to, like, I could just punch my way to work every morning. That's how... Serious. That's you can just how much eat go, that yeah. cereal and run to work yeah. with a hard on as you run through traffic. <laughs> yeah. There should be there should be like a a, a cornflakes box with just a, the, their mascot should be just a crazy guy with a shit filled diaper and just like a boner poking out. Well, wait, wait, you know, am I just, crazy? Yeah. Cornflakes is already like a rooster, which is a cock. Just make it a hard fucking boner already, yeah, yeah. right? Put that on the fucking box. What about the the Toasted frosty ones, the the ones with the well, no, so those are produced. The white, the white. Uh, once, once the all white these guys died, top. new people showed up and went. Let's glazed. just put some fucking sugar Easy. on this shit. I'm talking about the glazed ones. Oh, I think nice Dave okay, is yeah, insinuating yeah, wow, that our frosted flakes are covered in semen. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was trying to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Frosted <laughs> flakes are covered in semen. Well, what about? Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> But you know the minute the minute the Kellogg brothers died, whoever was second in charge went, are they dead? Okay, yeah, put sugar on fucking so everything. It's ridiculous. Let's get this kidding? business going yeah, already. Sugar on everything. Sugar I don't on give everything. a shit. But yeah. this is and a time. get the shit chair out of here. Nobody likes the shit chair. <laughs> this is a time when if you if you gave people great nuts great nuts, they were like this is amazing! <laughs> like, it wasn't a good time. Yeah. But also, after you eat those cereals, being like, I still want to masturbate, you're like, I need to go to hell! I ate a bowl of grape nuts. Yeah, but according to Gareth, he, you know, either had grape nuts or you licked a butcher's apron, so there's no, you know... Uh, I feel like it's a real Of course, grape nuts or. seem like ambrosia at that I point. I feel like it's a real either-or. Mm, hot butcher's apron. Yeah. Mm, licked a butcher's apron, by the way. Great Y&T album. That's a great... <laughs> Lick the butcher's apron. That was uh, 1987, right? 1987, yeah. Uh, Lick the butcher's apron. I have that on vinyl. It's so good. All right, well. Wow. Well, uh, How do you feel emotionally? Not, not, Honestly, not very good. Still yeah. very confused. We ha- sure. Everybody has to go, but, I mean, I cannot digest this. <laughs> I, Shockingly. I am so going to be thinking about everyone in this room when I'm having breakfast tomorrow. Like, what are you all... I will think of an every one we of you and try to meet for breakfast. Wait, wait, oh, who, that you should. Who has who has cornflakes at home? Uh, there's a yeah, couple people who are couple. throwing those mm-hmm. out. How about, what about grape nuts? Anybody have grape nuts? No. I guess that's a testament. <laughs> I eat that Ezekiel shit where they just put Bible verses right on the bottom. Like they let uh, you, they let you know how psychotic it is. Like yeah. we're basing our diet on things in the Bible. Mike, well, that's for me. <laughs> These are just crazy assholes putting stuff in boxes. I'll eat that shit. This is great. A box of psychosis. When you have your cereal tomorrow, just go, I am eating pure sociopathy right now. This is awesome. New Able Flakes from Kellogg's. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, 
to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help 